Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Ruth Penfold-Brown. Ruth is a bit like me. She's a little geographically confused. She's an English woman in the States. We'll get to that in a second. But she's the founder of an amazing business called Bloom, which is a leadership accelerator for women in HR. And that's all about empowering women in HR to unapologetically claim their seat at the table and lead with confidence and authenticity, which is fantastic. And and I'd love to hear what the plan is. But firstly, Ruth, thank you very much for joining me today. Ah, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And so, yeah, whereabouts are you based? Well, yeah, here on this podcast, here in this place. I'm just outside (laughs) Atlanta in Georgia. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Very good. So, yeah, Bloom, I think it's an amazing accelerator. Let's start with that. Tell us about it and then what led you to create it and what's actually involved. So yeah, tell us what is Bloom? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, so Bloom started out as a cohort-based six-week leadership accelerator for women. And specifically what we do with Bloom is we take women on the journey from feeling unseen and unvalued really find their voice within organizations and often overworking and burning out to confidently claiming their space, their career, their energy, and really bringing that authentic energy into the organizations that they work within. And I say organizations, but we have also had a couple of founders in the program too. So this is an accelerator for any woman who wants to build up her sense of self, her authenticity, and let that shine in the work that she does. And I say it started as that because actually I'm on the cusp of launching Bloom as a community. So the accelerator will still remain and is sort of central to everything that I'm going to be doing. But what I realized from the kind of early days was that you know, the kind of feedback I was getting then was, this is great, but where do I go next? And that actually, really, as women, we need community, we need peers, we need to have that safe space where we can share things and learn things so that we feel even more empowered to ask for more. So for example, If I am trying to negotiate a salary within the organization that I'm in, now you would think in HR, that means I know what everybody earns, but the reality is within HR, the salary surveys will tell you the salaries are actually quite low. When in reality, we know, particularly in the tech landscape, which I have operated in, Mm. the salaries can be pretty good, actually. But if you don't have the knowledge of what other people are earning, you will feel less empowered to say, hey, actually, I think I deserve a little bit more here. So really being able to create that safe space where those kinds of conversations can be had so that we can literally stand on each other's shoulders in order to grow in our lives and careers. Wonderful. Yeah, very good. Now, you did say that you came from the tech background. And I know for people listening as a context, you know, over the past couple of decades, you've been a people and talent expert and chief people officer and built and rebuilt teams and cultures for various cool companies like Shazam and others. What led you from that world into forming your own business and setting up the Bloom Accelerator? 
Yeah, well, actually, I sort of, I worked my way up within organizations. I kind of got to each role and I went, okay, I could see that things weren't working. And I kind of went, right, maybe if I get to that next roll up, then maybe I can make it better. Maybe I can create an environment where the human beings in this organizations are really thriving, right? And as I worked my way up that path, when I actually got to the top table of organizations, don't get me wrong, it was a hugely compelling, interesting, diverse role, but I wasn't quite creating the impact that I hoped I would. And I sort of shifted and decided to literally take a step back from all of it and go, hang on a minute, this isn't quite what I thought it would be. Maybe there's something else in me that I want to create. But at first, I actually didn't know what that was. And I kind of needed that space to reflect and connect into who I really was again. And from that place, you know, different work opportunities started coming my way. I started consulting. One of those things was building out a learning program around how to create a culture of innovation, something I still deliver today with another company. And it was about maybe six, 12 months into that sort of more free flowing, I guess, portfolio career that I started to ask myself the big question, like, who do I really want to serve? And my husband actually asked me the question and he said, if you could do anything, what would it be? And my answer straight from my soul was I would teach women how to love themselves sooner because I wish somebody could have done that for me. And so what you actually see now in Bloom is essentially that in a different form, right? Because the higher regard that we have for ourselves in the businesses that we're in, guess what that is? That is the essence of what I wanted to do. And Bloom is my vehicle for doing that. So that is my very honest, very real answer as to where Bloom came from. I love it. So it's not how to be an HR executive course. It's not, okay, so module two is how to deliver an impressive slideshow and presentation to the board and then various HR-related stuff like compensation and benefits plans and stuff like that. It's very much around the person, confidence, the authenticity that you mentioned. So can you describe perhaps what's in the course side of things? You know, you've got different modules. Absolutely. Yeah. There are some amazing programs and accelerators out there that teach technical ability. Mm. But my suspicion for lots of, in particular women, is that imposter syndrome drives us towards courses around technical ability that we think we need, but actually we already have a lot of experience of that. And if we don't have it, we can usually figure it out and find it. So the gap that I saw was really to create something that instead focuses on us and really setting us free within our lives and careers. So Bloom is a six module program and the framework works around the letters Bloom, B-L-O-O-M. And so B being beliefs. And within that, we're looking at who you are, why you are, what your values are, helping you to connect back into really who that is so that you can bring that essence through into your work. Then we look at love which I know sounds a little bit hippie and out there, but, but, you know, it's all about communications. It's all about the network we have around us. It's all about how we set ourselves up for success in that sense. And then ownership is all about leaning into challenging conversations, negotiating, asking for more, really figuring out how to work with the stakeholders that you have in order to create a 
path where everybody gets to win. Another O is operating system. Mm -hmm. And that is how you're living, you know, looking at the structure of your life. And that's where we help you overcome burnout and stop overworking and overgiving and overdoing. And then manifestation is building the framework to help you keep living that, but mm -hmm. also building your career strategy overall, right? Where do you actually want to get to? Now that we know who we are, what is our goal? Not necessarily needing it to be so specific. Sometimes the goal is how do I want to feel? And what are the activities that I need to create this year in order to feel like that, right? To just start moving in the direction of something that feels more authentic to you. And then in the final week, we finalize all of that strategy. And we really look at how we can then bring a truly inclusive style of leadership into whatever it is we're doing, into the organization we're in. So very much looking at those kind of leadership fundamentals and how we create that space. Got it. So I'm an ex-HR guy and now I'm a marketing guy for HR companies. And with my marketing hat on, I think, oh, it's a tough one because you've got to take this to the CFO perhaps to try and get reimbursement, let's say. How do participants or students pitch that if they want to get their money back from the company? Or is it all just you know personally funded, et cetera? How do they convince the business to support them in this? Because it may seem unusual to a corporate world. Well, and that's really where I'm talking about, I guess, more of a world reinvention here, because actually, the closer that we all are to who we really are as people, you know, yeah, yeah, within yeah. organizations, that's where we really get to win. And actually, I haven't really seen so much of a challenge with the reimbursement side, because this is a course and a community and a program that's created by an ex-CPO <laughs> for women in HR. And by women in HR, I really do mean like learning and development, reward, like all of us, talent, all of us, right? So therefore, it's created and it's geared towards understanding the real challenges that those folks are actually facing within organizations and to unlock the power within that person unlocks the power within your organization. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a brilliant call out, but so far, because it's created by me for them, <laughs> I guess that hasn't necessarily been so much of a challenge. Yeah, I definitely think that people are happier and more satisfied because they've centered and focused on what they really want to do, what they can really contribute, and they're naturally going to be more enthusiastic, motivated, coming up with fresh ideas, et cetera, which makes yeah. them a happier employee but at the corporate level then surely that produces better outcomes and the question that i would ask business leaders is okay you've managed to maybe get a woman on your top table maybe mm. and would you rather have that woman able to contribute and to help you evolve as an organization or would you rather have that woman held back by the systems and the structures and the ways of being that you have without even realizing it that oppress her, right? And the fact is, is that this is a very interesting place to be in, right? Because I often get the question, but surely women are, as others are, and as men are in their own way too, oppressed by the sort of gender roles of society that we live in. Surely it's not for the woman to overcome that. But the fact is, is that the world won't change until we force it to change, right? 
And so, yes, we are existing in the patriarchy in organizations that weren't really made for us. But I do think that that needs to be a two-way street where the women are being given the tools to rise up and take up space and almost force the change in the system. But I do also run sessions with organizations where I help them learn how to create a more inclusive culture where women or anybody that isn't part of the dominant culture can really have the space to ask for things. And that's coded into the structure of an organization, right? It's the way we do promotions. It's the way we do recruitment. It's the way we do everything that needs to change in order to really create that fairer space for all of us. But the change has to start somewhere. So, I mean, I'm starting where I am with what I have, but I am already seeing those wins. I'm already seeing those organizations starting to open up and think differently. And I'm seeing women better able to help them on that journey from the place where we are standing in it. Yeah, I love that. And I know you mentioned previously about having a sort of an agile framework, but I think you incorporate some of the elements of agile into the program. Is that right? I do. I do. And actually, this is something that I arrived at because and, and by the way, manifestation, that module, I'm basically teaching a very light touch version of Agile. And I'm sharing the very real world experiences of how I managed to create a world where my team was thriving and I was thriving. Because what typically happens in an HR team is everything that is people related within an organization and I know this will resonate with our listeners I was now leading this team and I was watching the other teams like engineering who were brilliant at self-advocacy brilliant at having boundaries because they were planning in a methodical way the way that they were structuring their work so they would agree the number of features for the software that they were going to ship right and they would break it down into the smallest thing that they could test to see if it worked yes or no and it worked twofold because one it means that they were just testing the basic thing to see if it worked to see where they could get to but also they were constantly looking at their capacity as a team and then deprioritizing work when something was more important right so what that does for a people team is you know sets us free from the tyranny of our got to get everything done. And it makes us within that process go, what's the most important thing for us to do right now? What's going to move the needle the most? Okay, well, then our team can't do all these other things at the same time. They have to go into the backlog. And that's just the way it is. And that creates a much healthier dynamic for the team because we're not constantly overworking and burning out. And coming back to the sort of test and learn methodology, so testing the smallest thing that we can test to see if it works. Now, the other way that I saw people teams failing all the time was by thinking that we know what we need for a company because we're also an employee, right? So we think we know what employees want. Designing that thing, getting it to what we regard as perfect And then launching it, the company hating it, 
it wasn't really the thing that people wanted. So I call those ta-da moments. <laughs> and so I learned a lot from doomed ta-da moments where I'd be like, ta-da, look at this amazing thing we did. And the yeah. rest of the employees are like, bleh, <laughs> gross, don't no like things. it, don't want it, you know. And so instead, learning to build things with your customer in mind, yeah. speak to your customer, what do they want? What do they think they want? What's the solution you think will work for what they think they want? Test a little bit, learn, test a little bit, learn. The other big part of doing it in that way is that lots of us are perfectionists and it helps us to learn that good enough is enough. So getting something that is good enough is better than perfect because good enough will iterate on, right? Perfect. There is no such thing. And it helps us to learn to wind ourselves back from these impossible standards that we set for ourselves. And so, yeah, I mean, you can probably tell, no, if Agile was an organization in and of itself, it doesn't pay me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I am a huge advocate for finding smart ways of working that ultimately sets us free. I love it. If I switch to the sort of the product development side, for Bloom, because we've been talking about product development almost in this agile sense. So again, more HR clients, we have the HR business accelerator, which either helps businesses start their HR related business or grow an HR related business. And it's constantly evolving, developing. So I'm curious, how do you do that with Bloom? So from what you started and how do you see it evolving either from what's contained in it or the way it's delivered? How do you see that evolving well so yeah i mean literally i practice what i preach and i've done exactly what i've just described right so i started out another part of where bloom came from was i was actually coaching i still coach everybody but i was coaching women specifically and i was noticing a difference between the way that women were able to unlock ourselves and set ourselves free and the way that the men that i was working with were able to do that right. in other words the men were just a little bit more able to get out of their own way. And so I started to realize then that I know I was pattern matching and I was noticing that what the women were typically going through was what I went through in my role in the organizations that I was in. So it was actually in one-to-one -one coaching that I first started to test some of what I was hoping yep. to create. The next iteration was to create something that was cohort-based because I realized that I'd capped out and I couldn't scale myself in order to be able to work with enough people one-on-one. -on -one. And I very much felt like I've created something that works and it's great and I wanted to bring it to more people. But throughout that process, I was conducting surveys and phone calls with who I believe my target audience to be mm -hmm. and hearing about their real challenges and the things that they were facing. And so very much built Bloom, the first iteration of Bloom around what my customers were telling me or what my desired customers were telling me and then launched the cohort and then loved what we were learning, found it hard to really implement all of it because missing, where do I go next? How do I keep this going? How do I embed this? Okay, great. So I took that as my cue to actually go back into the next phase of development and go, you know, let me investigate hosting Bloom on a platform that means that people can, first of all, access the program in different ways. So some of it pre-recorded because not everybody wants to commit to doing something live. That's not everybody's thing, right? So being able to offer Bloom in different ways, some pre-recorded, some live cohort. But my intention for the community is that 
there will be most likely weekly live coaching where people are actually able to surface their challenges and growing together. And I'm at the phase of testing those things, right? So I'm going to be launching that community, testing, you know, does my hypothesis play out? Does the thing that I've created meet the need? And then keeping iterating from there. Ultimately, though, I would love Bloom to be bigger than me and to have different coaches involved and working with. So I kind of very much would love the community to become the knowledge sharers Mm. and the people that work together and support one another. That would be where I would love for it to end up. But before I get there, I've got to test whether the next iteration works. And another feature of that community will be me inviting and having conversations with other women in leadership and others that really provide the sort of secret hacks that maybe we don't talk about externally. So how did I really navigate my own career? Because there's the public way we describe it, and then there's the private way we describe it. And sometimes the magic comes in the private way we describe it. That's where you really get the goodies about, frankly, how to win friends and influence people, how to get ahead. (laughs) The dark art of negotiating a pay rise, you know, like that comes through those little pockets of quiet conversations where they're not in the public domain. So, yeah, and that was really the kind of intention around creating that safe space. I think it's amazing. So for people listening to this, there's a lot of gold in there. So go back and listen, because for one thing, Ruth, you can tell that you come from the tech world because yes, you've been talking about agile, but you were describing of, you know, working one-to-one and seeing what patterns emerge, things like that, but then also surveying, trying to get feedback. So that's a huge thing. So we're in a different space where we help business either start or grow their business, but number one is working out what their product or service should be, because you could do all sorts of stuff. And then once we kind of narrow it down, we make them go and talk to people, like actually speak to people, which can be scary, but to try and get it down to something that's attractive to people. So that's a little bit of what you're describing, the survey and learning to create a product or a service that's actually very attractive. And then iterating further, continuing to evolve it. So in our case, we've got templates and we use ChatGPT stuff and all this sort of stuff, but it's around making it what people want, but also continuing to evolve it to meet their needs. And I love the fact that you've got some live stuff, you've got recorded stuff to meet needs and the different needs of people, because it's such a challenging area. One thing I was wondering, sorry, was why cohort based and not say evergreen or constantly just join a group or join a course? Well, so the community in the beginning won't actually be necessarily, there'll be cohorts that sign up all together, but it will be a little bit more free flowing. I'd actually like my intention, but I will see what works, is to actually allow people the option of choosing an accountability group, a cohort group, if that's what they want. But I know that's not what everybody wants, right? And I'm not trying to cater to everybody too terribly much, but I am aware that some people don't enjoy that dynamic and I don't want them to not get to be part of a community because they don't want a little group that they belong to but the power of groups for women is huge like typically women are great at keeping friends talking about our feelings to each other and sharing stuff and often the way society inhibits men means that they don't always end up with that kind of dynamic and that is true but women are horrible at asking for help when it's for something for us. So for example, if a woman knows somebody who's in an organization that maybe she wants to work with, she's likely not to ask for 
help if it is for her. She is more likely to ask for help if it is for somebody else. But if you actually create groups, and Chief are doing a great job of this, if you create a group that comes together, whose intention is to support one another and share in order that they can then grow, you then create an environment where those women are automatically trying to help one another in their careers. They are starting to work as advocates for each other, but you're also creating a safe space where a woman can actually come in and go, I'm stuck on this. Can anybody help me unblock it with any of their network? Nice. Right? And that is what we need because once we have that space, then we can start to move in the way that isn't necessarily natural to us because we're so coded to serve everybody else, not ourselves. That's why so many of us end up in this kind of profession to begin with because, I mean, I was in recruitment for over a decade and in recruitment, I was the best advocate for everybody that I worked with and I did an amazing job because it filled my cup because yeah. I was fulfilling my role as a woman in society, right? As soon as I had to learn how to advocate for myself, oh, <sighs> you want to do it. Unfortunately, my friends, the only way you do it is by doing it. <laughs> you have to build the muscle, right? You have yeah. to have those challenging conversations. You have to lean into the wind and be like, oh, this feels gross, but I need more money in this offer or I'm looking for a different title. And here's why. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But it so, isn't our safe space. <laughs> yeah. So to clarify, for people who should join, that they are women who are in HR roles in corporates. That's largely the focus. Is that right? Yeah. But the whole spectrum of HR, the reason I'm calling it HR and not people yeah. or anything like that is because I want reward people. I want yeah. recruitment people. Like so often there is this division within an HR department where the teams don't really met, like, I just want to break that down and have us all come together because actually lots of us have the same challenges in this way. So yes, any woman in HR, but somebody who maybe there's something that feels quite right in your career right now, you know, and I usually find it's one of, it's one of four, but I've just added the fifth, right? So stuff around pay, promotion, progression, peace, like, People are looking for different things. Sometimes we're looking for peace. Yeah. The fifth P I've just added is pivot. Sometimes we're looking for a pivot. You know, I pivoted from being like head of talent acquisition to VP people. I did that pivot. It's not impossible to do. So any of those things, if you're looking for that sort of development within your career and you want to create a career that feels good on your own terms, then Bloom is the thing for you. Perfect. And then on the business growth marketing side, what are you doing to attract and bring new people into Bloom? Oh, wow. Well, you will know this, Ben. I mean, like in the last two years, I feel like I've done and I'm doing and I'm living an MBA in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was already a blogger and a podcaster and things like that. So I had been dipping my toe in those waters even when I was employed, but my goodness, I have been learning about funnels. I have a newsletter now. You know, so far I have been predominantly surviving on organic reach. With the Bloom community, I will be looking into some paid 
advertising to see whether I can sort of take it further. But I mean, for anybody listening, marketing is going to be the heart of your business. Yes, you need an amazing product. Yes, you need to be building for the customer. Yes, 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 and yes. (laughs) But where lots of the startups that I've been involved in, where they've gone wrong is not realizing how important marketing is. You know, Shazam, for example, relied on word of mouth because we all love Shazam, right? Mm. And Shazam actually didn't heavily invest in marketing. They probably do today. They're owned by Apple. That's when I exited. But the old version of Shazam that I was part of really didn't invest in that way. And I do wonder where the business, you know, may have got to had we invested more in that way. And so ultimately, one of the hardest things to learn is really to be focused in your messaging So, you know, whatever it is, the thing that you want to do, you kind of, you need to almost repeat yourself so much that you're sick of hearing what you're saying, but in order that the audience that you have starts to understand who you are, but an audience doesn't have to be big to be powerful either. If you're right now working on getting your messaging out there, engagement wins over audience size any day. And I say this, by the way, without having it all figured out, but I do at least have consistent messages that I share in the world and I show up and I'm constantly pushing myself out there and trying different things, whether that's video, whether that's my newsletter, whatever the different ways that I'm doing it, I'm constantly testing and learning. But you do have to be quite bold and get out there is what I would say. But you can also do that in a way that's authentic to you. If you're really never going to get on a video, then that's okay. Although I really do recommend webinars. (laughs) (laughs) At least do a webinar. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So I've done over 200 podcasts now on this show and I've seen many, many different companies and our clients and all that sort of thing. Everyone does marketing in different ways and according to their personality. So there are some businesses that, for instance, focus on photography. They take constant team photographs of them having meetings or doing social stuff. And that's their main focus of marketing. I would never do it because, oh my gosh, you know, get the camera away from me, but it works for them. And it shows a personality and a real team there. Others, they are very, you know, data and paid advertising driven. So Google advertising programmatic ads that you know all the ai driven stuff but it's very data driven others make videos all the time others do posts on instagram so there's a hundred different ways you can do it but i love it that you said yeah get your messaging work out what you're saying to whom and then really push that and then phase two is try to segment it even further so you've got you know slice and dice into the different demographics or business types or industries or pain points all that kind of stuff but Yeah, you're right. And keep testing and then see what works. That's what Agile is, right? So you get the data in, see what works and then do more of it and scale it up or add some new ones once you've got something working. But I love what you're doing. It's fabulous. If people want to learn more about Bloom, potentially join it or refer people into it, what should they do next? Yeah, good question. So the website is ourtimetobloom.com. They can go and take a look there. But if you're listening to this, connect with me on LinkedIn. One of the things that women in particular do is I don't really like followers on LinkedIn. I like connections <laughs> on LinkedIn. And I would invite you, if you're listening, send me a connection request. I won't say no. You know, connect with me. We are peers. We are equals. You know, what I loved about LinkedIn was the fact that we are a community that connects. And I feel like LinkedIn is slightly shifting into the followership 
thing of other mm. platforms and I'm trying to fight against that in my own way. So connect with me there, share your story and maybe let's talk, right? Perfect. Yeah. So we'll have the links to the website to Bloom and to Ruth's LinkedIn profile. But I agree with that. Do you remember the film Forrest Gump? Did you ever see that yeah. one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And actually it's filmed in Georgia. I've been where the bench was. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> the famous bench. Box in but he goes running across the country and he starts to pick up followers and they're just running behind him. You know, why are we following? We don't know. And eventually he stops running and they go, what do we do now? I don't know. Why have you stopped running? I'm tired. I want to go home. So I agree with you. Maybe less of the follower stuff and more connections and real conversations. Yeah, so. I'm here for it. Somebody gave me the idea of somebody called it small social. And I quite like that, right? <laughs> like if we can be a bit realer and a bit more yeah. connected in a small way, we all go further in a big way. Yeah. So I think that I'm all for bringing the humanity back. And yes, not just running behind somebody until <laughs> they stop. And then I go, oh, is I doing that? <laughs> yeah. Back to the bench. Well, Ruth, congratulations on what you've built, created and continue to build with Bloom. And I wish you all the best with it because you're making a great difference in the world of work and for women in HR in particular. So thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you, Ben, because I was saying before we kicked off listeners that I could have done with Ben about two years ago. (laughs) Know how hard it is when you're getting started. And I think what you've created for and supporting people in exactly that process is amazing. So thank you for having me here. Thanks, Ruth. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.